Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, Podcast World, welcome to yet another thrilling, exciting, unbelievable, stupendous. You can throw out your television. <laughs> you can throw away your computer. Just keep your phone so you can listen to the podcast on there because the, the the only entertainment that you need is this podcast, FNO InsureTech, with your hosts, Mr. Lee Boyd. And Mr. Rob Beller. That's me. That's you. You've got it. I did it. You're, you really hyped up the show there. This is the only entertainment that you'll ever need. In fact, get Don't rid of you your Netflix, true? get rid of your Hulu. Uh-huh. All uh-huh. you need. That's is right. That's right. I mean, well, why would you want, why would you want to stream anything when you can listen to this? That's right. I mean, why not listen to the podcast? Oh, in fact, there's so many of them that you could listen to one a day for Three months in a row, I think. No, you could listen to one a day for the rest of your life. I saw that Spotify now has 1.5 million podcasts. Yeah. Which means that like one out of every, you know, so many people on the earth has a podcast. There's there's a lot of podcasts out there. But they don't all rank really high like Mm -hmm. FNO and SureTech. Oh, no. In fact, we can brag about a couple of things. Should we do that? I would I would love it if you did. So we found um, some universal metrics on our on our podcast. We are a top one hundred in the U.S. technology podcast. Yay! A top one hundred in the U.S. business podcast. Yay! We're in the top one hundred in business podcasts in mongolia yeah as well that's true watch out we're 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 on the rise we we had a pretty good month in uh israel last last month as well did we really yeah i didn't hear about that how Mm -hmm. do we do in israel well it just says i got listened to once so (laughs) okay we're we're huge in israel big that's all they're talking about that's all they're talking about in fact earlier i was trying to give um lee my friend lee a, a little hebrew lesson you were speaking speaking of Israel. Yeah. Uh Baruch. 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 Yeah. Say it. Come on, say it with me. Baruch. Okay, everybody in the audience. We were talking about Bernard Baruch. Baruch. Who's maybe one of the great men that you've never heard about. Yeah. Right? I never heard of him. And uh industrial I, I, pioneer, etc. Yeah, I actually read a quote in a uh, in a book that was about Warren Buffett, and it was a quote uh, from this guy. I thought, this guy's got enough quotes. He needs to be in a Warren Buffett book. I sure need to learn about him. And sure enough, mm-hmm. I'm not disappointed yet. He has, a, as it says on the book cover, a fascinating autobiography. That's very cool. My yeah. friend Lee is a big reader and, uh, and better off for it. Wouldn't you agree? I, I would agree. I'm very, very happy that I... I started reading. I've, I feel like I've actually wasted a lot of my life not reading. Well, it's good that you're still a young man. He's in his thirties, everybody, you should know. That's true. But speaking of reading. Yeah. Let's talk about 
the reading of data. Huh? Oh, I, I had oh. no idea where you go with yeah, this. Yeah, I, I found a way around that corner. You, I want to a couple times. Yeah, you you found it. We have with us today a interview that we've wanted to have for a very long time, and that is with David Tobias, co-founder and COO at Bitterview. You know, Betterview has been around, I want to say, since 2011. I don't have it right in front of me. But I first remember going to InsureTech Connect as a, uh, I, was, I was new to 470, and I wasn't real sure what I was doing in this world of innovation at the time. And I went to ITC, and they were one of the very few who were at the expo. It was a very small expo, a lot of people, but very few companies were actually showing what they did exhibitors exhibitors and it uh ever since then better view is has been known as one of these emerging intro tech companies and and they have a great story and they have a pivot within their story because they were first a drone company and right and now they're now they're not right big pivot which we'll talk about on this show and the dynamics of going through a pivot, which are very interesting and very interesting to us, some drama in the yeah. story. It was it's not just a straight line between coming up with the first idea and where where they are today. And so why don't we read his words, oh, if you oh, will? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And go to our interview with David Tobias, co-founder and COO at Betterview. Hey, everybody. We are here with a special guest, somebody who we've wanted to have on our podcast for a really long time. Uh, back when we started FNO InsureTech, the podcast, and we were goofing around with different technology tools, InsureTech tools, one of them that we were goofing around with at that point in time was Betterview. We have with us today David Tobias, who's co-founder and COO at Betterview. So somebody that's been there for the entire journey. And we're thrilled to have you and excited to talk to you. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome. Thanks, guys. Really excited to be here. Love the podcast and what you guys do and the information you kind of bring to the world about our space. So really appreciate it. Well, thank you. That's very kind. We uh, This is absolutely a labor of love for us. And so... Um, but it is now more complete that we um, are going to do a podcast with you for sure, because you guys are a player oh, in our view in the insure tech space. And so let's let's just jump in and talk about that. For those people who don't know Better View and don't know what it is and what you do, why don't you start by giving us a minute or two on what Better View is and and what you guys do? Yeah, no, perfect. Uh, we are a remote property intelligence platform. So we use geospatial imagery, geospatial data to pull in attributes about buildings and properties for insurance carriers. So we do this at you know very large scale for all different size and scope of carriers, personal lines, commercial lines. A lot of it really revolves around the characteristics of the building, but there is so much imagery available today from the manned aerial side, from the satellite side that can be leveraged. Um, to create data. And that's, you know, that's kind of the the table stakes, creating the data, but where we really spend a lot of our time and, and product focus is around turning that data into action. 
you know, I've never walked into an insurance carrier that that told me they needed more data. They they have lots of data. They need data that they can turn into action and they need tools to help them do that. And that's really where we focus a lot of our time is not just creating that unique and proprietary data, but a platform that helps people make underwriting decisions off of that data and claims decisions and other other things. But you know, that's that's what we do from a very high level, you know, perspective. Yeah, Rob and I were talking right before this and we were saying you know, is it a is it a software company? Are, are they doing things with the data? Are they collecting the data? Back in 2011, wasn't your thought to actually you know to actually go out and capture the data? Isn't that what the original goal was? Yeah. So we started as a drone company. So a little bit about my background. I come from the the insurance world. My father had started a insurance inspection company over 50 years ago now. And I had taken over that family business and, and grew it quite a bit. We, we ultimately sold that business uh, last, last year, about a year ago now. But in that business, we had insurance carriers coming to us asking for more and better roof data. Roof claims um, were really starting to go through the, through the roof, if, if you will. And uh, you know, about 40% of all property loss dollars paid out in the U.S. go to pay roof-related claims. So they, they wanted the inspection, the underwriting inspection reports to have more roof data on them. And we tried, I, I tried all these different things. We deployed 500 painter's poles to the field with a camera attachment so that, yeah. you know, the, the inspectors could try to take, you know, photos of the roof. You'd get, you know, one corner of the roof, right? One tiny blurry photo maybe that really didn't tell you much. Right. We tried to get inspectors to go up on ladders, but good luck, you know, going to to somebody and saying, hey, I'll pay an extra five or 10 bucks if you go do this very dangerous thing, especially in, you know, Scottsdale, Arizona in the middle of summer, you know, just didn't work. So I started looking at drone technology as a way to get that roof information that I had carriers asking us for. And so that's really where we started. And I will tell you, you know, a brief story. The first job we did, the first paying job we did on the drone side, very excited, right? Got a customer to, to, to say, yep, I will pay you for this roof data. We think it's valuable. We got a drone pilot out there. He got the photos. We sent it to the customer. My co-founder, David, and I are very excited, you know, waiting for their feedback. They immediately called us after we sent this to them and they said, what, what the heck is this, guys? You just gave me 500 photos. What does it mean? They said, what does it mean? And we quickly realized it wasn't about you know, the, the capture of the data. That's a means to an end. And even the data itself, it's about what does it mean, right? And how do you turn it into something? And from, from, from that point forward, we really focused on how to you know, take this data and turn it into something actionable. I and mean, we you know, developed software to do that. So you know, capture was definitely a piece of it in the drone days. But really, even from the very early beginnings, it was how do you turn the data into something actionable? So were you trying to just improve your company that you were working in or running with your with your father and and then that kind of evolved into better view? It was the pursuit of drones that kind of took you down the path to where you are today. Yeah, you know, I think something that I do and, and better view does and everybody in the company really thinks thinks about and thinks through is is what is the customer's problem and how do we solve it? Now the tools that we solve it might change. You know, we started as a drone company. We are no longer a drone company. But the, the customer problem never changed, right? And I think something that's really important to us is, you know, don't fall in love with the tool, fall in love with the solution. Right. And Ooh. I think that's something that's like really that. 
you know, hard for people. And, you know, pivoting from drones wasn't easy by any means. We had, you know, we're venture backed, we have investors, um, you know, so it wasn't, wasn't an easy thing to do. But, you know, if you truly are trying to solve a, a specific problem, you're going to use the best tool for the job. And so originally, I was just trying to solve the customer problem. I, you know, I hadn't really thought through, you know, would it be a different company or this or that? I think as we started diving into the drone space, I realized it was going to require a lot more, you know, technical expertise. It was going to, you know, to create the software we needed. We we're going to need more money. You know, it made sense to do it as a separate company, but really always at the heart of everything we've done, you know, then and to today was how do we solve the customer's problem? And so the customer's problem is really, what does all of this mean? How do I interpret all this data? And somewhere along the way, uh, you decided that drones weren't the only way to get this data from the roofs, right? You were able to get it from satellite imagery or aerospace, from airplanes. Am I right with that? Yeah, so we had created a lot of software to automatically, you know, help fly the drone, capture the photos, identify hail things, all and produce reports, right, that were actionable for the, for the insurance carrier. So how do you take 500 photos, make it, you know, 20 photos that matter and target, you know, target for them the things that are important, you know, in in those images. Um and so in doing that, we solved the customer problem and the customers really liked it. We could identify things. It was, it was valuable to them. But what everybody kind of kept coming back to was it's too slow and too expensive. We still had to send folks to the field. And, you know, from my past in the inspection world, you know, we were really efficient at sending people out. We had a network of thousands of drone pilots across the country. We did tens of thousands of, you know, flights for different insurance carriers and reports. Essentially, they just said, look, it's too slow and expensive for us to really scale this and do it on everything. And so we you know, kind of stepped back and said, how do we provide some of the same level of insights, but do it a lot more cost effectively and a lot faster so we can really hit scale? About three years ago, I really got into the drone army thought and I got my license and I did a lot of studying and I studied about BetterView and Kespri and Loveland. And it seems like maybe around that time, maybe a little before or a little after, that's whenever you decided, let's just really focus on the software. Loveland, for example, is still out there. They still have, they still fly drones, I believe, or, or you can actually do it. Is that still a model? Like are, are these software companies still trying to put their own force together? You know, we made the decision that, you know, our greatest asset wasn't going to be the drone network. When we started the company, there weren't big drone networks. Like we, we had to create it from scratch and you know, go recruit the pilots, the whole, the whole deal. And so, you know, as time went on, we, we said like, that's not really our greatest asset. It was the software. And yeah. we started partnering with drone base to actually do the flights at that time. And then ultimately we sold our drone kind of assets to drone base. So oh, it ended up being a, a good, you know, partnership because that is the business they're in. And right. you know, they were set up to just focus on that piece of it. And so, you know, and we still have a strong partnership to this day. Can't speak for the other companies. I think the drone space is it's a tough one. You know, the regulatory challenges are still there. You know, the technology continues to advance, but at the end of the day, um, you're still sending people to locations, whether they're your people or not. Yeah, you're still sending folks out, and so until beyond visual line of sight becomes, you know, more realistic, you know, I think I think it's going to be it's going to be a slog, and there'll be there'll be a few winners in the drone space for sure. But you know, it's going to take longer than anybody thought. 
So whenever I think of Better View, I think of insurance. Is that what the partnership with DroneBase is? Is mostly insurance-based or is there any other vertical that y'all would work in? We focus on insurance. I mean, in you know, our relationship with DroneBase really revolves around the insurance. Obviously, they serve real estate and all these other verticals. Um, we have remained focused to the insurance industry. Our competitors are going outside of that industry. Mm-hmm. I think you know something we really value. You know, a better view is is knowing what you don't know, right? Yeah. And you know, so we do things outside of insurance here and there when when people approach us. But our core, our go to market is really around insurance. Uh, we know, you know, our data is applicable across real estate and other industries, but, you know, we really focus up on insurance. So I'm very interested in pivots. Lee and I talk about pivots a lot, which of course happen frequently and we hear about frequently in the insurtech world. Can you kind of run us through quickly how you got there? I mean, you've kind of hinted at around it so far in the interview, but how did that roll out? And did you guys like... Were you having a beer one day saying, oh my God, what are we going to do? Tell us about the process and what it was like. Yeah. You know, I think any pivot or big change, you know, whether it be in business or anything is tough, right? It requires self-awareness. It requires data. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. I think we kept hearing this, you know, fundamentally, we kept hearing the same thing from the customers. That idea that, look, we love it, but we want it cheaper and faster. And so we would go into these conversations and say, okay, you know, we can, sure, we can shave, you know, we can find ways to shave off five bucks, 10 bucks. And they would come back and say, no, 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 like we need it for dollars. You know, we need it for, you know, 20 bucks or, you know, we need it for orders of magnitude less. And, you know, even when we could turn things around in a couple of days, they, they wanted it in minutes or seconds. And so, you you know, you hear that once or twice and it, you know, you kind of dismiss it as an outlier, but then you hear it over and over and over and over again. And, you know, I think this is where companies that die in certain cases, you know, don't listen to the market. You know, I think, and I think you've seen some drone companies that have fizzled out or are in the process of fizzling out because the market just didn't support the tech. And so, we were, you know, we were hearing that. We also saw that companies wanted to buy this kind of ad hoc, saying, you know, look, yeah, we love it. We'll buy it when we need it. But they wouldn't commit. They wouldn't say, you know, we're going to buy, you know, 50000 in a year or 100000 or whatever it was. And so that for, you know, being a venture-backed, you know, company is, is problematic. You know, we need, we need to build committed, you know, relationships with our customers. And so... Um, you know, all those things kind of add up. And, and also, you just look at the m- margin profile of sending folks around, and you guys are familiar with that. Yes. There's definitely more dollars at play on the claim side than the underwriting side. But, but you know, it's just so fundamentally, there were some challenges there. And, you know, it happened over time. I mean, we started then saying, okay, you know, how would we answer some of these same questions? you know, in this more cost effective, you know, faster manner. And can we use some of the technology we already built to do that? You know, we had created a lot of computer vision technology, a lot of reporting, a lot of, you know, tools. And we started testing it. We started showing it to some customers and we got positive feedback. We also had, you know, some brand equity. People knew who we were. Yeah. And you know, that was definitely helpful. We had we had credibility, right? We even had, you know, we had people under a contract and we were able to go test this with them. And so I think that was pretty, 
pretty valuable. I think the the only struggle after sort of the pivot was David and I would go in to some of these meetings and they would be like, "Oh, you're the drone guys." And we're like, "Not it, not anymore. We're not." <laughs> we were. So, right? You were hung um, with a label. But, you know, worse things to be called, I suppose. So, you know, I think it worked out and the brand yeah. equity helped and you know, I, it's funny. We eventually wrote a, a blog post on kind of the pivot, why we got out of the drone business. Because the question would just keep, you know, sure. coming up, sure. and yeah. it's still one of the most read blog posts that we've ever, you know, produced. Because I think people are really interested in that story, and you know, with customers, I think it's given us credibility. You know, that we listen to our customers, and we, mm-hmm. it, you know, we change the product to meet the needs of the the industry. Really. Let's talk about that for a second. I know yeah. that Nationwide is an important customer for you guys. And also an investor, correct? Correct. And so I think it's really cool when corporate venture capital invests in a company like yours and then says to you, hey, this is what we want you guys to do for us, right? Which has to be so valuable. Yeah, I mean, it's valuable. You know, I think that getting that level of insight and in, in access to, you know, higher level folks than you you would if you were just trying to pitch a product. You know, we have Maiden Re as an investor. So we have a reinsurer, we have Nationwide, we have EMC Insurance as an investor. These have been very valuable relationships. So we're, we have, you know, a combination of traditional venture firms, VCs, and then corporate venture arms. And most recently, um, Guidewire now as an investor. So, oh, wow. you know, that's a whole nother level from the software, you know, side that, yeah. that is a really valuable relationship, you know, not to mention, you know, as an investor, but, you know, gives us access to, to a different, uh, you know, a different level than others. And it's been valuable to us thus far. Well, let's talk about the company, right? So I know that it brings data in, it interprets it and makes it easier on the uh, insurance companies. What exactly is it you're producing? Why would somebody want to use BetterView? Yeah, so a lot of it revolves around roof. You know, as we we kind of hit on earlier, you know, this is such a big loss category for you know most carriers that write, write property, um, and and you know we have a roof score. We have different data points. You know, shape and material of the roof. We have other things that are more just attributes pools, you know, is there a pool, a trampoline, solar panels? We've wrapped all of this into a user interface that not just brings the data forward, but shows you what it means and how we got there. So, you know, you, you can give somebody a roof score, but if they can't look at your product and then say, okay, I understand why that, that roof got a hundred versus this one that got a, a 50 or a, a 10, you know, that's really problematic. So not only do we, you know, create these scores and we create this data, but we show them in a very interactive user interface, you know, how the machine got there, kind of turning machine vision, computer vision into human vision, if you will. So we show where the patching on the roof is. We show where the water ponding, you know, or whatever the the malady may be, we show that. And, you know, that's unique out there. And and we found, well, I should say our customers have found that that kind of level of awareness helps them have conversations with with their customers, whether that be the agent or the insured directly. So if they say, look, I'm canceling your policy versus look, I'm canceling your policy and here's why, mm-hmm. you know, one conversation is a lot easier to have with the other. And I think something that's very near and dear to my heart is using data like ours and, and platforms like ours to move to risk mitigation you know, preventing the loss from happening at all. And there's a lot of opportunity, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there um, to really collaborate with the insureds. It's getting, you know, insurance has traditionally been 
you know, revolved around, you know, repair and replace. And I think the world is changing more to this predict and prevent. How, how can you predict and prevent these things? And, you know, we think we're one of the solutions to that. So talk a little more about that. That's really interesting. The idea of mitigation and heading things off based on the data. Yeah. So, you know, in the, in the inspection world, going back to my, my roots, maybe I'm aging myself here, but, you know, in insurance inspection, recommendations or risk mitigating recommendations to the insured are commonplace. I mean, this is one of the main things we did. You know, almost every report that we wrote had a recommendation on it. And, you know, th- these recommendations could be as simple as, you know, hey, there's a lot of vegetation around your home, cut, cut some of it back to, to much more complicated, you know, there's facade missing and we need to, to have that fixed. Uh, so just depending on what was seen out there. And now there's an opportunity to do some of that remotely, right? Using data imagery like ours and platforms like ours to automate some of this. So one example is you know, we we know the vegetation overhang and what percentage of a roof is is covered with that overhang from from what BetterView does from the, the imagery. And so you could issue a recommendation automatically and say, you know, hey, uh, this roof is you know sixty percent covered in overhang. Have a, a licensed contract, you know, contractor come and cut cut some of that back. And not only can we do that remotely and automatically, we can also check to see if the insured complied with that remotely and automatically, and then clear the recommendation. Right, we built the systems to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's really powerful. I think data like ours can be used for risk selection, which is which is interesting, but you know, that will help you write or not write a policy. I think what's even more interesting is using it in an automated fashion to keep that policy, you know, actually keep it on the books, but maybe improve the risk overall, which is good for the insured and good for the the carrier. So do you find yourself mostly on the underwriting side? Yeah. So we, we are mostly on the underwriting side, whether that be quoting or post buying, you know, in renewal, we are doing a little more on the claims side just to help it's 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 not in lieu of boots on the ground if you will but you know hey we have historical imagery back to 2014 as an example so people are using our tool to to just give the the adjuster some information before they go out but most of what we do is on the underwriting side today and we also have access to what what they call gray sky imagery or or post cat. So like all the storms that just happened, the wildfires, we have imagery, you know, the day of the day after, and we have people using, using uh, our platform for some of that as well. So it seems like your predictive side is just around the corner. I mean, I, I, I don't know if that's where you're going or if you're willing to talk about it, but you have all of this data, you have these roof scores. Now a weather event comes in. I mean, are you able to predict with some, possibility of the amount of damage that could have occurred due to the size of the hill? Our scores are predictive of loss, our you know, underwriting scores, if you will. And we've we've trained that, we've tested it against claims data, right? We have hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of records now that we, you know, can test these different algorithms against. Mm-hmm. You know, on the on the postcat side or the, you know, even individual claim you know, we haven't gone as far as like trying to say, you know, okay, we can we can tell that X percentage of the roof is, is damaged and here's the, you know, potential dollar amount of that. You know, I think there's a, a very intricate world that you guys, you know, know a lot better than than I do around, you know, estimating claims. And then in the software platforms, you know, there's 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 basically one software platform where the majority of all 
you know, loss estimates, claims, claims estimates are written in. Right. And so, you know, it, it is, um, it is a trickier world on, on that side of it. So, you know, theoretically, I think, you know, we've, we really look at it as working with companies, you know, like yours, right. And, and being a piece of that, you know, and, and supporting that workflow that already exists. Well, I, I love it. I mean, just talking to you, you're a company who knows what it is you want, and then you're not going to veer outside. And if it if it comes to you that, that maybe you need to pivot, you're willing to. And so far, it's worked quite well for you. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we don't have to pivot again. And I don't, I don't, I don't think so. You know, I wouldn't recommend I think it. So. You know, I think, look, nobody goes into, you know, something like this, uh, you know, with, you know, with the idea that you're going to pivot, right? But I think, you know, you have to just keep your eyes open and, and you know, things change. You know, I think it's, uh, yeah. it's you know, there's a, what is, there's a saying, and I'll probably botch it, that, you know, have strong convictions loosely held. You know, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, I think that's, that's something that we try to do is like, you know, if there's, if there's something better out there that can still solve the problems and we can do it, let's, let's go for it. Right. And so, you know, I think that's, it's just back to that idea though, of, you know, there's so much cool tech and opportunity out there, but if you fall in love with the tech and not the problem you're trying to solve, it's going to lead you down a very slippery path. Right. We have the roof. We have some amazing data on the roof. We have some amazing data on the outside, but whenever the customer comes to you and says, "Hey, what about the the inside? What about the the front of the house? What is your answer to that? How do you help the insured, or do you help them uh, with the rest of the underwriting report?" Yeah, you know, I think it's a you know, first, it's hey, still forty percent of all the lost dollars paid out go to pay roof related claims. So, in a theoretical a world. Yeah. You know, if that's all we ever solved for the, the U.S. insurance market, we'd still have a very big business, right? But but beyond that, you know, we want to provide a holistic view to our customers where we can. You know, I think one of the things we try to keep in mind, too, is we have very big ambitions, of course, but we also understand that we're part of a workflow, right? We're part of a, a, a workflow that already exists. Right. And so how can we... How can we snap into that workflow that exists today and, and, and you know, really provide value across that chain? Um, right. So, you know, I think, I think you see some insure techs who, just companies, I should say, in general, who go in and say, well, you know, we have this great solution. You should blow up your whole workflow. That's really hard to do in the insurance world, right? For all the reasons we kind of talked about, you know, whether it be regulation or just, you know, that's the way that somebody did something. Just practically, it's complicated and difficult. It's hard. So I think, so, you know, we, we, we look at it and say, how can we supplement, right? And, and, you know, one of the ways we're doing that is partnering with some of the companies that are doing self-inspection, right? Partnering with companies, boots on the ground inspection companies. Like, I don't think boots on the ground inspections, you know, going away. I just think it's going to be more targeted in how it's used. And so I think there's a lot of value, I mean, to, to getting somebody to a site, but send them to the right site. You know, that's an expensive asset, whether you're outsourcing it or insourcing it, it's expensive to send folks out. So send them to the right place, right? If something is very low risk and we can show you that, you know, quickly, then maybe don't send them to that place. And if some, some place is higher risk or for whatever reason you couldn't, you know, you couldn't tell as much about it remotely, then send them to that risk. And so, you know, we have folks using our platform to determine where they're going to send their people. And we are going to continue to build out, you know, pieces in our software to help facilitate that, right? So, you know, we, you know, much like Guidewire is on the policy side, we really see ourselves 
you know, um, as that platform on the the risk mitigation, the loss control side. So let's talk about Guidewire for a minute. You bring up that you're part of the workflow. Guidewire is a whole different kind of animal in our industry. And I'm sure that you guys probably integrate with Guidewire somehow. Is that correct? We do. So we have a, um, you know, officially supported integration with them. Um, so somebody who's using Guidewire can, can, um, just download basically our app, if you will. It's a little more complicated than that, but you know they they basically have an app store, and you know they can use that out of the box, or they can customize it to meet their needs. Is that an important thing? I, I saw that you have a representative from Guidewire on your board. Yeah, so the um, Brian Desmond, the 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 CMO of Guidewire, is on our board, and you know he's been extremely helpful. You know he he's been at Guidewire for a long time. You know, from you know, well before they IPO'd, and you know, he's he's seen that journey, and you know, that that kind of insight, you know, has been extremely, extremely valuable to us. You know, we had that accelerator; it's called an accelerator in the Guidewire, you know, kind of uh, nomenclature. But the you know, prior to that, you know, we've had a long-standing relationship with Guidewire. David, we want to talk about being an insurance guy in the insure tech world, and as you know, and as we have come to learn. Many, 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 many insurtech executives or founders have found their way into the insurance vertical, not necessarily because they came from insurance or yeah. from a world where insurance is a big part of it. I mean, they don't even, they don't speak the language, et cetera. So talk for a minute about what was that? I mean, it must be a great advantage for you to kind of understand that there's this thing called underwriting where most founders are have to become educated of what insurance is. So l- let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, I mean I think it, you know we're in a unique industry and as we've discussed, you know, it's regulated, it's got some some pre-existing workflows that are very ingrained. You know, knowing those workflows, speaking the language, you know, is extremely helpful. I think hard to create a solution or you know, a company right from scratch solving a customer problem that you haven't lived and breathed yourself. Now, that being said, you know, there's all kinds of disruptive technologies and founders that have come in to different industries and really disrupted them. I think our industry, you know, in insurance is especially difficult to come into as an outsider. So it can obviously be done and there's some very successful insurtech founders who've come, you know, from outside the industry. But I, I think I think it's harder for them. You know, I think again, if you if you take a customer centric approach, who can create a better solution for the customer? Somebody who's lived that problem, or somebody who's come from outside the industry? And you know, that's obviously debatable. I'm I'm biased, so I'll I'll tell you. You know, it's uh, insurance is extremely helpful, but you know, I I think it's helped us. I can tell you that. Let's also talk for a second about the competitive landscape. We've had some other AI companies on who are looking at the roof, mm-hmm. do you find it to be a very competitive space or do you each kind of take a different piece of the problem and attack it? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think one, it is a big space. It's still, you know, quite a greenfield opportunity. So, you know, there's a lot of business to be had, you know, I think that different folks do take slightly different, you know, tactics on it. Some are, you know, more focused on, residential and commercial as an example. You know, I think I I think though for us, if you look at it as purely data providers, I, I would argue that it is a somewhat competitive space. Uh, folks focusing on the platforms and the decisioning tools and, and the next step beyond the data, I would say is is a much more open 
open space. And we, we do not consider ourselves data providers. So yeah. I think there is a, there's a distinction there. You know, I've been in this insurance space for a while. I think back, you know, 20, 25 years ago to underwriting reports where maybe an agent would go out to a home and take two mm-hmm. or three photos from the edge of the street and the underwriting would happen. I assume there are still companies today who do that, but in talking to you with the root, we have all this data, we have scores, we have a lot of really neat things going on. Is there another step? Is there something else out there that's possible? Can we grow from here? Yeah. I mean, I think there, you know, there's a lot of room to grow with what we're, you know, doing and what people are presenting today. You know, I think I think the the big opportunity to continue to kind of grow the overall ecosystem is collaborating more with insureds and providing them the data and resources to do that. I mean, I can tell you my personal insurer is, you know, one of the newer, you know, insure tech companies, um, mm-hmm. use a lot of data in their quoting process and, and, you know, things like that. But other than getting the bill from them, I haven't heard from them at all. Right. right. I think there's just so much that can be done engaging the insureds. And I think as you look at, at you know, some of the you know, younger generations now and the millennials, you know, they expect more of the companies that they deal with, right? They right. expect more more engagement. And I think I that is the next thing that's coming. It's it's, you know, really how do you run to the, you know, getting away again from repair and replace and moving more to predict and prevent and making the insureds partners in risk management. You know, I think yeah. it's it's funny we we talk a lot about the roof and many times when, when an insured, you know, a better view report is used to discuss something with an insured, they didn't know they had a roof problem because roofs are out of sight out of mind, right? You don't typically know. Yeah. There's only one way to know and that's if it you have a spot on your roof, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think that a lot of the insurance would prefer to, you know, maintain their buildings and know, but some of this data has been hard or dangerous even for them to get. And so, you know, I think that just presents a lot of opportunities to really engage insureds. And I think that that, you know, in my humble opinion, is kind of the next wave, you know, of insure tech, if you will, and insurance generally is really how do you use all the data for good and not just, you know, risk selection, right? Well, we love the idea of using the data for good because, like you said, there's tons of data. It's just not necessarily structured. Structuring it in ways that are useful and that are helpful is a great goal and a great opportunity. And it sounds like you guys have seized on both of those. And and like we said at the top, we've wanted to have you on for a long time. It's great that we had the opportunity and we thank you for taking some time during this COVID world that we live in to talk to us. We didn't even hear any kids screaming in the background. I know. <laughs> well, we got lucky. I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old and a, a golden doodle. So, you know, it was quite possible that one of them could have created some noise. So I'm glad it, yes. uh, <laughs> glad, glad it worked out. But, I, you know, I really appreciate it. You know, I, I appreciate that the insights that you guys share shining kind of light on our space in, in particular and love the conversation. Always love to dive into these things. Hopefully, uh, you can tell it's it's very exciting for me to discuss what's going on in our space. It's fun to talk to an insurance guy. Yeah, right? it is. An, an insurance guy who's also an insure tech guy. And so that's, uh, that's David Tobias, ladies and gentlemen. Well, thanks for being with us. We hope we have you on again in the future. We'd love to. Thanks, guys. You know, Lee, we've wanted to have uh, somebody from Better View on for a long time. It was wonderful to have a co-founder on. Um, And they kind of come from, you know, where we came from. So 
he was interesting and easy to understand and talk to and uh, what an interesting company. Yeah. I love how he said that, you know, we listened to our customers and they said, what are we supposed to do with this data? What are we, what, what are we supposed to do with this? And they said, Oh, that's the problem. It's not getting it really. It's interpreting it. And they said, that's what we need to solve. And I thought that was, that was just simple, smart. I mean, just listening to your customers, giving them what they want, not making it overly complicated and staying within uh, the walls, within the confines that they have. They're not doing just crazy things because somebody said, what about it? I'm sure they're testing out, but they, they stay true to themselves. It does seem to me that this underwriting AI predictive analytic space has a lot going on. Yeah. And, and with it is, is the need for speed, right? Because more and more companies are online. They right. want to quote you instantly and they need that data now. You can't right. wait for somebody. A lot of times with an underwriter, you can't wait. You know, you, I guess, I guess you could quote them, but bind them later, but they want to bind mm. you on online and they need it in real time. So it takes companies like Betterview who can store this data and allow the, uh, the APIs to exist so that they can quote and bind in as real time as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, we thank David for being with us and yeah. look forward to more from him and more from Betterview. And we'll continue to cover this space for you, our listeners who we um, do all of this for you. Uh, we do a little bit for ourselves too. Mostly for ourselves, but we like them to come along <laughs> with the so. journey for us. I think you're absolutely right. Let's be honest with everybody. We do this for us because you know what? This is fun. Yeah. We work for a living. There's cool stuff. There's hard stuff. There's exciting stuff. There's boring stuff. But our podcast is always fun. Always fun. So thanks for being with us and please subscribe and stay with us and look for another episode next week. And until then, we'll tell you. Goodbye, everybody.